you don't start with the why, then you end up just adopting tools without purpose. And when you're adopting technology tools without purpose, it doesn't serve the student. It might be cool, but it's not going to meet your learning objective. And so I'm really into thinking about the why. And for me, thinking about in terms of your own career, my own career, not doing it for my own purposes, but really thinking about that student at the end of the day, how is this going to serve the student, whatever it is that we're adopting, whatever it is that we're promoting, how is this going to serve the student at the end of the day? The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Garner. Hey, Brad. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, in honor of our guest today, I have a Star Wars joke. You do? Yeah. So be prepared to laugh, even if you don't mean it. Okay. Why did Anakin cross the road? Why, Brad? To get to the dark side. Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, well. It's a fun start. All right. (laughs) We have the honor and privilege of welcoming a podcast veteran, to the show today. So we've had numerous guests that have said, this is my first podcast. This was really cool. But today that's not going to be the case. Jason knows what podcasting is all about and and we feel honored to have him here. Jason Johnson is the executive director of online learning and course production at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, where he leads professional and course development for online programs. Previously, he was the director of teaching and learning in the College of Social Work at the University of Kentucky, where he oversaw the launch of three online degree programs in three years. Jason's research, writing, and presentations aim to encourage humanity and equity as part of successful online program leadership. Jason earned a Master of Divinity, a Master of Education in Educational Technology, and a PhD in Education with a focus on online program leadership. Jason also co-hosts a podcast focused on online learning. Outside of his professional work, Jason loves listening to and playing music, traveling to national parks with his family, and nerding out with Star Wars. We're thrilled to welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast, Jason Johnston. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We like to have a little fun right off the bat, whether it's a Star Wars joke or some getting to know you questions. So, Brad, could you kick us off with those getting to know you questions? Sure. You're on the TV show Survivor. You chose for your personal item to be a solar charged digital music player. They allow you to have one song installed. What will it be? That's a great question. And I love how... It's solar powered, but yet only has space for one song. This is like a great constraining question. I'm going to have to pick Mavis Staples, You're Not Alone. Wow. For the obvious reasons that you're stuck on an island. But it is one of my, probably one of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, She recorded it with the Staples sisters earlier on, but I'm also a big fan of Wilco. And Jeff Tweedy produced an album called You Are Not Alone where it's just a fantastic track. Awesome. Mavis Staples is clearly undervalued. Yes, for sure. And she continues to rock it. She's great in concert and a great artist. <laughs> Tiffany, I like this guest already. I knew you would. This question's for me. 
So your bio mentions that you love to travel to national parks with your family. I do too. What's a must-see national park for you and why? There's so many good ones. And one of my favorites, and it's partly maybe just the experience of being there, uh, was uh, Grand Bend in Texas. The experience of entering the park and then having another 40 miles that we had to drive to get to our camping site, (laughs) you really felt like you were going deep into the Mm -hmm. national park. And I liked it because of that and because I, I love so many of the national parks, but they're getting... They're getting very popular, which is awesome that people are experiencing them, but it's a different experience going these days to Yosemite or to Zion versus being able to just get out there, as well as my kids had a great time forging the river into Mexico on their own. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay, I'm going to preface this next question by saying I know nothing about Star Wars. Jones wrote (laughs) this question. This one gets a little technical and is really just a way to test your nerdiness. Yeah. Why can't highly trained stormtroopers hit anything with their Blast Tech E11 blaster rifles? That's good. <laughs> Who came up with this question then? If you it was don't Mike. Know it was Mike that... Jones. Mike, our Mike producer. Jones. Okay, that's a good, really specific question that would just take a <laughs> understanding of all the progression <laughs> of Star Wars. Here's the deal for all the Star Wars nerds out there that they may have a different answer, and you could talk about this for a long time, but. Uh, my opinion is, at the end of the day, it's morale. I really don't think the stormtroopers are into it. That's my personal opinion. If you follow the track of, of Star Wars, the clone troopers, they had a purpose. They had a greater purpose. When it came to the stormtroopers, they were recruited from all over the galaxy. Many of these people were pulled into war by the Empire because it was probably the best option for their family. And I don't think... <laughs> I think they had an interest in pulling a paycheck, but not actually in, at the end of the day, really, really killing people. Yeah. So along those same lines, what (laughs) is your favorite Star Wars memory? I would have to say definitely watching for the first time, watching episode four, which was the very first of all the Star Wars to come out, Star Wars A New Hope, watching that with my kids and seeing the credits start to roll at the beginning and see their excitement about watching it like nice. like a kid again. Yeah. yeah. Very oh, cool. Love it. And I'm sure Mike has some other podcasts in mind that we could put in a good word to have you featured on the podcast because I have a feeling you know your stuff and could talk about this for an hour in addition to the online learning stuff we're going to talk about here. Does he have a Star Wars podcast? He doesn't, but I was just saying, I, I'm pretty sure he may have one on his playlist. Oh, on his playlist. Gotcha. <laughs> Just tune into one. How, how common is it to run into other people who are Star Wars fanatics such as yourself? I wouldn't call myself a fanatic. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to a f- couple of things. Like I grew up on comic books in Star Wars. I think <laughs> probably people of a certain age that grew up with the narrative and perhaps a narrow scope of entertainment options oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> at the time and it just opened up our imaginations in terms of this kind of this world that George Lucas had created but it's fairly I would say fairly common and with that narrow scope I have a confession to make I'll fire up my iPad I'll go to Netflix I'll go to Hulu I'll go to Apple Plus at the end of an hour I'll say I can't find anything to watch yeah that's funny <laughs> how that works yeah, with all the options in the world, we still need aggregators for us. Yeah, Tastemakers. Reasons to do things in, yeah. in all that we have. Yeah.
So your background, we're getting serious now. Okay. Your background hints that you've been invested in the science of teaching and learning. So as you've watched the dawning of AI in higher ed, were you ready to embrace it right off the bat or were you hesitant? And if so, how have you grown to be an advocate for uh, AI advancement in education? Yeah, that's a great question, which we could come at from a number of different angles. I got into education on a couple different levels. I'd always been interested in, in technology. And so it was an easy space for me to, to use some of my skills and really initially do professional development for students and for teachers who were using some of the simple tools back in the day. But at the same time, I really stepped forward into education through reading and somewhat particularly because of um, one author named Paulo Ferrer who talks about the pedagogy of the oppressed, about how education can actually bring liberation to people. Mm-hmm. And because of this, I've always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with technology. I'm always interested. I, you know, I, I love cool tools and toys as much as the next person mm-hmm. and to see what it can do and to kick the tires on things. But with a bit of a careful skepticism, about how much these things are really going to be worth to us and how do they help us progress goals of education, which are to bring real freedom and liberation to people and to allow for continued self-agency of students and for them to to guide and and desire their own paths for learning. So I guess, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but it answers your question from the fact that is how I've got going in education and that's what I've continued to do. And so when AI came around, I was both like, oh, look at this. This is so cool. And texting with a couple colleagues that I have that are also really excited about it. And then at the same time saying, but what? What does this mean for education, really? And let's be careful about this before just jumping in with both feet. So how would you assess the enthusiasm among faculty across the academy in relation to technology? Yeah, technology in general, I think there's a a variety of enthusiasm. And I think that if you're familiar at all with how technology gets adopted, often you get those early adopters and then the next people that kind of fall in line with those early adopters. And then you've got a great number of people that are in the middle. And then you've got your like late adopters, your, your laggards, the people that kind of drag their feet on these things. And I think that often we hear the most voices out of people that are on the front end because they're really excited about it in the larger community, like on LinkedIn, for instance, among educators, you hear these kind of loudest voices. But I think people tend to fall in the middle someplace. A lot of teachers are overworked. They don't have time for these things. So they're waiting for it to trickle down a little bit more before they get into it. Mm -hmm. So... I don't find a lot of overall resistance, like I'm against technology, especially in recent years. COVID kind of squashed some of that for people, like the people that were like, I'll go online over my dead body. I'm not sure you want to say that in a global (laughs) pandemic, but the the fact is that a lot of people got forced into it realizing, oh, you know what, maybe this isn't as bad as we thought it was, and maybe we could actually achieve some level of education and connection and so on through. Mm -hmm. So I think we're in a different space post 
quote unquote pandemic than we were pre. But I think we also just generally get our educators are in the middle someplace. Yeah. Very good. Sometimes I feel like we're the press by the way that we uh, dig into things that our guests have said or done. And so here's one. We dug back a little bit. In 2016, you wrote, I've never met a happy narcissist. You followed that up with true career happiness comes when you diligently do what you're good at doing and use it to serve others. How does this play into your work today and even specifically with the AI advancements that are happening? Yeah, that's great. And I'm really glad when I saw we dug back a little bit and you just talked about my LinkedIn. You weren't getting into like MySpace page <laughs> or something like that. You saved that for, yeah. Who knows what I said in MySpace? Seriously, that was a whole lifetime ago. But yeah, I think just in continuing some of the things I've been talking about, to know why it is that you're doing education, I think is really important, especially as we are adopting technology. Because if we don't start with the why, and not long ago, I read a book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And if you don't start with the why, then you end up just adopting tools without purpose. And when you're adopting technology tools without purpose, it doesn't serve the student. It might be cool, but it's not going to meet your learning objective. And so I'm really into thinking about the why And for me, thinking about in terms of your own career, my own career, not doing it for my own purposes, but really thinking about that student at the end of the day, how is this going to serve the student, whatever it is that we're adopting, whatever it is that we're promoting, how is this going to serve the student at the end of the day? Hmm. That's a great way to to go through a career, thinking about that, that as your focus. In a recent article that you wrote, AI Assignment Flipping, you gave 10 examples of how we might be able to flip assignments to use transparent AI. Could you explain that to us a little bit? Yeah, the idea was around this. There's a couple different ways that we can think about using AI as teachers. One is designing courses with AI, meaning we use the AI to help us on the teacher end design things, or we can use it within the course itself and actually embed it in some ways. And so I came up with this while I was talking to people about this and thinking about using embedding AI within the course, I thought about this idea of doing what I called an AI flip, which is, okay, you're so concerned. This is Okay, backing up, a lot of teachers, they have a great concern about AI coming into the fall here, particularly about how students are going to use it to cheat on their assignments. Now, so much conversation we could have. We could do a full podcast about this, not like episode. I mean, like full podcast, like multiple episodes, Mm -hmm. years. But my initial feeling was like, if you are basing your evaluation of the student, whether or not they've met your learning outcomes on a five paragraph essay, then there may be just something wrong there to begin with. I think we need to broaden our idea of what assessment could be because, yeah, AIs can write a fair five paragraph essay for you. No trouble right now. The AI detectors don't work. Every time I hear somebody talking about an AI detector and using it with their Mm -hmm. students, I try it out, I'm open-minded, and they don't work reliably. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And so given all that, 
and that we want to help our students live and work in a world that will continue to be guided by AI and used in every place in the workforce, why not have them have experience with it that is transparent? So rather than banning AI in your class, this idea of the AI flip, think about your assignment, perhaps even your one basic example would be, think about your basic uh, five paragraph essay. And if you're concerned about students using AI to write the essay, why don't you have the students actually use AI to write the essay? They submit that. And then the flip comes is that your objective then becomes next higher order thinking. You get the students to evaluate then what AI said in response to the question. And then also why what they said was true or false or good or bad. A couple of other ideas that you could expand upon that. So that's what I called the paper flip. So instead of having the student write the paper, you have the AI write the paper and then the students critique the paper. And then something I call the double paper flip, which is have two different AIs or LLMs write the same paper and then the students compare and contrast and pick a winner and why. Okay. So again, you're getting the students, some of the same goals, you're getting the students into the content, thinking about it, evaluating it. But rather than just regurgitating information, now ideally they're actually processing and maybe even getting deeper into it. So those are just a couple of examples. It's so exciting to hear you talk about the ways we can actually use this in the courses we design and teach, Mm -hmm. how important that is. Hey, Digital to Learn listeners, this is where we're going to break in the show, but we'll be back next week with part two on the Digital to Learn podcast. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.